Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Between the Lines. I'm your host, Randy Lacey. On this podcast, I will be talking with some lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who perhaps deserve a little more of the spotlight. You will also hear discussions about writing and the writing process. My first guest is somewhat known to me, however, though this is the first time we have ever met in person. We have known each other for a couple of years now, and we share mutual acquaintances in a few of the social media writing groups that we're involved in. I'm very excited to be sitting here at the Sweetgrass Cafe in the heart of downtown Trochu, Alberta, having a coffee with Terry Fairhurst Lineman. We've been sitting here getting acquainted, and now I would like to invite you to join us. So here we are in the thriving metropolis of Trochu, Alberta, and I'm sitting here at uh, the Sweetgrass Cafe enjoying a coffee with Terry Fairhurst Lineman, and uh, we're about to discuss her writing. So, welcome, Terry. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. Well, it's a very charming little town. It is. Uh, I've been here for 14 years, and I've enjoyed every bit of it. I guess what we want to do is let those listening know a little bit about yourself. So, you can you give us uh, what does the last year look like for you? Or let's go back two years because of this current world crisis situation that will remain nameless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what, is, what has been the last two or three years been like for you? Well, the first year of COVID was last, okay, last five years we've been, um, okay, 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back that far. Uh, that's when we got an empty nest and we sold it and bought a motor home. And then we followed my husband's semi-retirement plan. Uh, he'd been going up gold mining off and on since uh, 1980. So his plan was, with our motorhome, we'd go up to the Yukon and live in our motorhome out in a mining camp. And he would dig in the dirt and look for gold with, with, the, with the crew. So two years at one mining camp and three years at another mining camp. And then we winter in uh, Okanagan. So last 2020, yeah, spring of 2020, our trip up north was delayed about a month and a half because of COVID. There was so much uncertainty and even travel advisories, if you weren't essential, shouldn't be on the roads. And of course, us traveling in a motorhome was a target but my worries were for nothing. We, we had all the paperwork because mining in the Yukon is essential. Well, it's a way of living, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's a, a so that is big, essential. Big economy. And so we headed up in May, and then we had to self-isolate for 14 days outside of Whitehorse, which was quite nice because it was an RV park, and it was wonderful weather, and it was like camping because living in a motorhome is different than actual camping. And once we were in, in the mining camp, we were away from COVID, and it seemed like normal. The world was, was normal. The world was normal, yes. We were isolated. Um, but reality hit us when we went to Dawson, and it was like a ghost town. No tourists. Um, everybody was washing their hands, sanitizing masks 
came in later in the summer. So that was, and it was a shorter season for us. We were back, back down south, wintered in Kelowna again. And then this year, instead of going up north, uh, my husband found work south of Calgary. Still digging in the dirt, but no pool. And then a, a, a new job brought him to Big Valley. And when I heard about that, I was in Kelowna visiting my elderly parents. Uh, finally a chance to spend the summer in Okanagan after five years up north during the summer. And was ready to spend the whole summer till my husband got back from work at the end of September. Well, partway through, he realized that Big Valley doesn't have a laundromat. Nearest groceries are in Stetler, and he was working 12-hour days. So he sent me a lovely text going, I need you. I'm going, So I caught a ride with my daughter and son-in-law and made it up to Big Valley and breathed in the fresh air and absolutely enjoying the quiet peacefulness of a small town in the prairie. My view is rolling hills and golden fields and I love it. It's it's like the Yukon except it has stores. Because we were actually an hour and a half out of Dawson City. Oh, so my dream. It was wonderful. But this is the next best thing. So now I sit here. <laughs> now you sit here. And speaking of sitting here, um, we're going to discuss your writing and stuff. But surely during the past few years with this world situation that's going on, you've had especially traveling to the Yukon and all the various places, you've had plenty to write about, have you not? Yes, and uh, I started a website a couple of years ago. Which website's that? Uh, my website, um, com, And I was adding pictures and writing about my travels, our travels, and my, I won... After four years of entering the Authors on 8th contest in Dawson City during Discovery Days, the uh, 2018, I, I won first prize, which awesome. was a gold nugget and books by the authors, Robert Service. So I was curious, how big is that nugget? Oh, it's, I would say, it's kind of, it's 1.2 grams. Grams? Grams. Okay. Yeah, not ounces, darn. <laughs> But it was it was the most satisfying thing to win. Everybody else is up there with a job, you know, digging for gold, getting paid. And, and all I you had to do was write for yours. I, yeah, I earned the gold nugget with my writing, and that story is on my website as well. Nice. So that was me challenging myself to write in a more literary style than I I normally do. My books are light. Light entertaining. They're, they're not meant to have any serious message or anything. So, anyway. Well, I have to confess that when I entered and I found out that only 25 people had entered and I didn't even place a show, I went, okay, I need to improve, and I was okay with that. Yes. <laughs> the contests are a wonderful way of challenging yourself and and improving and trying a different genre and always learning more about the craft. That's what I, each book I write, 
I am focused on trying to develop something that's, that I feel is lacking in my other books. So, um, Furious Fiction, for for example, is one of those monthly contests, and it's it's uh, I think what they want five hundred words, and you've got fifty five hours to write it, and and they give you the parameters to write about, and yeah, it'd be great to win or you know honorable mentions or whatever that, but a lot of people that I talk to use it for practice, because especially myself, I mean I I try to I'm a poet by nature, I guess. That's all I've ever known. And now I'm trying to reach out and find out if I can do anything else. So I use these contests to test myself. And a lot of people, especially in you know the groups that I'm in, they do the same thing. And I think that's a wonderful idea. Yes. So yep. uh, good for I you for winning. Try that one. Oh, seriously? You would yep. enjoy it. <laughs> you would enjoy it. I think so. I love challenge. So... Um, I guess we might as well start with the questions then. <laughs> we, we've been talking for 10 minutes and we haven't even had a question yet. Or the questions that I've written down anyway. So everyone who calls themselves a writer uh, can recall uh, a defining moment when they decided they want to pursue writing. What was your defining moment? Uh, I've been a writer all my life, but it's mostly letters to friends and family. And when email came in, my friends and family were getting little short novels because I would write and write and write. And when the girls started getting older, they didn't need me as much, and I found I had more time. I had only been working part-time, and then, so I started taking writing courses, like finally following my interests. And there was a smorgasbord of courses, head to go. And I just, one or two a year, and I think I took like seven, eight courses maybe. And it wasn't until the advanced creative writing that I'm halfway through it, and I'm like, I could write a book. <laughs> so finished the course, and it wasn't very much longer that an idea just struck. And it was my husband saying, um, oh, look, they're banning fruit juice from the schools. And part of um, my, I had writ, I, comedy writing, I had taken a course on that, and we had to write a satire article. And I had written one about helicopter parents and how they're making the playground safer for the kids and seatbelts on the swings and stuff. Anyway, it all came together, and suddenly I had this idea for a book about helicopter parenting and what the kids would be like 50 years in the future, 2065. Oh, interesting. So that was my first book. I just, it was like I turned on the faucet and said, oh, yes, yes, I'll have that. Oh, my God, I'll have this. Oh, okay. Six months later, it was, it was ready to go, and I had my daughter's design the cover, and I had, a, had an idea in mind where... You know, a searchlight, if you open the book, it turns into a traffic cone. Like oh. So anyway, that, that was my defining moment. Excellent. Yeah. So you say that was your first book, but you've got how many now? I have three, and I'm just about finished the fourth. So what are your three books called? Uh, my first is Arcadia Deception. Okay. And Arcadia is the corporation that, you know, wants will take care of all of those Freddy cats. And then uh, Flight Control is the second book, and that's a sequel to Arcadia. And it was going to be a trilogy, but I decided not to. They seemed happy enough 
just leave them alone. <laughs> and Nobody's ever happy enough. <laughs> no, and um, I had I had the girls design that cover too, but after after a couple of years of looking at them and comments were, it looks like a flight manual. It it didn't the cover. You know how important the cover is on a book. This one we have to redesign it somehow to kind of link to the first book but also have more interest right and if you ever look at it you go oh I see <laughs> I don't know about me I'm blind but anyway <laughs> you're, you're okay. point taken though and the third book is Tess and it was um, set in Dawson City in 1905 I had to write one based in Dawson City I mean that's that was my second home for, for five years and the cover, I absolutely love it. And I've had lots of comments on it. And that was designed by, by my girls, too. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's almost a family affair. Oh, absolutely. My the inspiration dad, from the husband and the daughters? Yep. Do and my covers. dad is my biggest fan. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, what was your initial in- intention as a writer? Was it going to be a career? Was it just a hobby? or? Yes. It started as a hobby with kind of those feelings, think those thoughts that every writer has in the back of their mind going, Ooh, this is the next bestseller. I can feel it. I know it. I love this book. But as I, I thought, um, I thought that it would be easy to just present it to a publisher and I love it, love it. And word of mouth would spread. And everybody would read my book and really enjoy it because writing a writing a book and publishing it with the goal of having people read it and like it that that's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. So bubble burst. I was too impatient to wait for a publisher to decide that my book was worthy of publishing. So I used Create Space to self-publish. Nice. And there's no greater feeling than holding. A physical book in my hand and calling myself an author, which are my absolute idols since I could began to read. That's fantastic. Um, I guess I could say the same thing. I mean, holding my first yes. book, and my first book was just for the sake of saying that I've done it. Absolutely. And a then, sense of accomplishment. The bug hit you, though, right? Yes. Well, I can I do this again. Yep. Lightning strikes twice. Yes. And, and in some people's cases, it repeats. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is your favorite author? Uh, Isabel Allende. Um, I am awestruck by magical realism. Okay. And her books are just magical. I, I read every single one of them, and to this day, I can't write magical realism. But I did take a workshop uh, when I was at the Writer Whistler's Writers Festival. Okay. Our, one of our holidays coincided with the festival. I was in heaven, so her books are amazing. And one of these days, I'm going to try. I've done a short story, but. Um, I might try. You might, I might try. Just do short stories. <laughs> well, short stories is, is where I'm leaning now. Um, I still write my poetry, but I, I, I'm liking short stories. <laughs> and um, some of the ones that I've shared with some people, the feedback has been pretty good. And, and it, there's a 
like when you get that feedback, it, it puts you on another level, doesn't oh, it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you hope that that can carry you into your next piece of writing. Yes. That's where my dad comes in. Ah, he uh, loves everything I write. Of course, they parents then, do that, right? <laughs> Yay, Dad. Um, what is the one book you would read over and over again? Well, these days I read one book after another after another with, the, with no time to reread them because I'm a voracious reader. And too many books, too little time. Yeah. But when I was younger, I read The Parent Trap over and over till the cover fell off and still read it. Is that the one they made a movie out of? Yes, two different movies. Yeah. yeah. And the other one was Ramona the Pest, because Beverly Cleary is my childhood author idol. Fantastic. <laughs> um, being a voracious reader is, is uh, something that I used to be as well, but with the vision problem for me, it's not so much reading anymore and listening, but who has the time to sit and listen when the world is busy around you? So it's kind of a curse for me, but I, I encourage people to read as much as possible. My children, yes, they are voracious readers. Great. Yeah. And it's it, that's getting to be a skill or a, a, a love that a lot of people don't have anymore. It seems like mm -hmm. the older generations are the ones that are carrying on that tradition. Yes. Uh, books. Like hard yes. Yeah, audiobooks seem to be uh, quite popular right now. Uh, so have you ever, or would you ever, consider writing outside your comfort zone? Uh, why or why not? Oh, absolutely, all the time. Really? Especially short stories. I've tried um, with novels, but I have my, my writing style is my voice, and I can't really change. I try and, I try and improve, like, develop the characters more, and... When I'm, write, when I'm reading books, I kind of study their writing styles because there are some that are just a pleasure to read. And I'm like, what's the secret? Why? How is theirs different than mine? So that's why I'm always striving to get to, to become a better writer. But my voice is always the same. So writing short stories is where I, I experiment with different genres. Okay, that makes sense. So uh, this other question just came to my mind then is um, what is easier for you, character creation or plot creation, or what's the easiest part of a book to write for you, or a short story? Character creation is a lot of fun, because I like to put meaning behind the names. Do you have a process that you work through, or...? No, just, just you know, pulling stuff from everywhere. I, I, I go down the rabbit hole of internet a lot, writing tips. Pinterest writing tips, and it's, it's just there is so much information. I'm like, oh, I can add that. Oh, that's cool. I can add that too. So it's kind of like building a house yeah. where you start with the foundation. I hope I'm a planner, so I start with an outline just kind of to get the story in my head and then um, build from there. And characters, the setting. The one thing about those. any story is it needs a character. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Right? You so can't have a story without a character. So that I start getting well, a little niggling idea and then character right after that. Well, there are stories that don't have a main character per se. Like the house can be the character. Yes. Or, so it's not necessarily a human or an embodied. It could be a thing that's the main character. That's true. 
that. I I like to write one like that. Uh, like for example, Stephen future. King, uh, uh, Christine. Oh, yes, the car. car. Yes. <laughs> so we're on the same page. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, during the past 18 months or so, a lot of people have had a uh, really a lot of time on their hands. Um, how have you been able to use? this time with regards to writing. Now I know off of the interview we were talking and you were saying that you're finding some dead time or you've written a lot and or you don't have a lot to write about. Um, the last, during COVID, it was a little different for me because I'm used to having a lot of time to myself with uh, up in camp. Mining camps, the crew was gone 12 hours a day, so it was just me and the cook in camp. So I had so much time. What I found during cold was when we were up in camp, I still wrote, but I was writing, I was still writing this label book, which has taken me three years because I have so much time on my hands. Way too much time. <laughs> so COVID didn't really change that for me. It's just that I, not sure. I think the um, um, the writer's life is definitely different than a normal life. Oh, absolutely. And so, I'm retired. I'm just following my husband. He's semi-retired dream, so I have lots of time. Yeah. And my insecurity about wanting to, you know, write a better book each time, do the best that I can. I got kind of trapped in this latest book. I just kept writing and adding things and wanting to develop the characters deeper and all that. I ended up with this huge epic that was the most boring story ever. My dad loved it, of course. Of course. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so, so for the next couple months, I edited and took out this and that and that and ended up with the... Uh, down to 45,000 words and I'm like oh shoot so you're at novella now yeah so the last couple months I've been building it back up and it's at about 68,000 words now and I love it it's it's not as long as my other books but it's where I want it and it's almost ready for publication if you're satisfied with it that's what's important that's the thing we could we could um Keep writing a book forever, adding things, taking things. Yeah. At some point, we just have to let it go. I was uh, I was writing my memoir, and I got up to like eighty-eight thousand words or whatever, and I'm like, okay, that's enough. I don't need to include every story in my life. Yes. And just like in fiction, you don't have to include everything. That's right. Leave some to the imagination or for another book. Yes. <laughs> there, like this book, somebody suggested at one point, well, turn it into two, two books. Yeah. I'm like, well, no. The main character, their story arc finishes in, like, I want the first book. It didn't work. I wasn't going to. But now to finish this one, I'm like, hmm. Maybe I should write one about one of the other characters now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good idea, too. Um we're not here to talk about me, so I won't talk about me. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's amazing where 
what you're working on can lead to something else. Oh, yes, absolutely. And do you keep a journal and keep your thoughts in a journal, or is it all online or on your phone? or? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> I, was, I was keeping a journal on my laptop, and then I have notebooks that have, you know, like, a date and writing about my day. And then I have another notebook that has some more. So it's... I've been writing a journal for probably the last five years, but it's all over the place. So I, I should probably spend some of that wealth of time organizing that, or it's going to be left to my poor girls going, what the heck? Where was she going with that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. Now, you said earlier that you're working on a current book that's almost ready. Yes. So what's it called? It's called The Hidden Gems. Okay. And your other books are available where? On your website or on Amazon? Actually, there's a link on my website, and they're on Amazon, and uh, the first two are on Kobo. And that's it, because I don't market, I just write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. You know, it's been, a, it's been a real pleasure, well, one, meeting you. Uh, because, like I said, we've known oh, each other fun. now for a couple of years. Yes. Uh, only online. So uh, imagine my surprise when you said that I'm coming to visit you, yeah. and I, I, I jumped at the opportunity to do this interview. Um, it's been fun. And it has been fun for me, and you are my first podcast. I am honored. And no, I'm the one who should be honored, and I am honored. Oh. Um, so it's been a pleasure. It's, it's been a, a different experience for me being here at the Sweetgrass oh, Cafe with Suzanne, uh, who I'm very, very grateful cool to. Be here. And uh, so thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having me over. You have been listening to Between the Lines with Randy Lacey. In future episodes, I will be talking with authors and writers from across the country about all things writing. So if you like what you heard, I encourage you to tune in to some future episodes of Between the Lines. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 Weight Loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com.